You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. We are continuing our series called Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple. We want to live out what we see Jesus live out with his disciples, and then what we see that the disciples live out in the book of Acts, and, and even the Apostle Paul as he is discipled, and towards the, his third missionary journey, we see him each missionary journey take on more of a disciple role to where in the first first trip, he's got one disciple. The second trip, he has three disciples. And by the third trip, he has a dozen disciples. He's looking more and more like Jesus. And we want to look more and more like Jesus. Now we have this graph that we use to communicate what does discipleship look like. Uh, both Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter talk about uh, spiritual maturity, and they, and they related to uh, you're an infant and you should be eating meat, but you still require milk. And so the apostles seem to indicate that spiritual growth looks kind of similar to physical growth, that we all start in, out immaturely, right? None of us came out of the womb running. Can I get an amen, women? Uh, can I get an amen, moms? Like no, none of us came out of the womb running. We all, we all crawled and then we toddled and then we walked and then we ran and, and the same thing. Spiritually, you could be the most mature physical person in the room, but if you just came to Christ, you're spiritually immature. There's so much for you to learn and that's okay. That's where we all start. But we want to not only understand for ourselves, what does it look like for me to mature, but how do I help someone else mature spiritually? And that's what this series is about. Now we're talking about what it means to connect to purpose, help someone to connect to purpose, which means we equip them for ministry, we provide ministry opportunities, and we release them to do ministry. And this is how we take someone who is a spiritual child and help them become a young adult. Someone that could take on responsibility, someone that can, can do ministry by themselves. That's the ultimate goal. Now, when I talk about ministry, oftentimes we think about what happens within the four walls. We have the tech team, right? We got the people back there making the ones and zeros flow and making sure that the sound is correct and, and all that kind of stuff. We got the guys up here that play the guitar with the uh, sunflowers on there. Um, my most favorite guitar ever, because um, my youngest painted that. Um, but, you know, the strumming, singing, hitting this thing down here, uh, we have all that happening. We have people that are greeting folks, people that do setup. Like, there's a practical thing that says, yes, we need people that serve inside the church. But this is, I would suggest that this is not where ministry really happens, at least, at least not the bulk of ministry. This is the training ground. This is where we talk about strategy. This is where we cheer each other on. This is where we celebrate together. This is where we practice and make mistakes, and that's okay, and we, and we learn and we grow. But the, 
ministry that happens happens all week long out in your neighborhoods, wherever you are at. And so we want to prepare people for that. We want to prepare you for that. We want to prepare you for ministry if you're new to the faith. And if you have been in the faith a long time, we need your help to help those who are new in the faith to know what their part is. What does it look like to live this out? Now, there's two things I want to focus in on tonight. And to start off with, I want to go back to a parable that we've been looking at quite a bit this year as a church. Um, Please hang with me, um, because I know I've talked about this parable a lot. And so there may be some groaning. If you're new in the room, you're like, what's all the groaning for? Um, Yeah, this is the only parable. The reason why I'm talking about this parable tonight is because... I went back to it and I was studying it and I was praying through it during my personal time with the Lord a couple weeks ago and a couple words jumped off the page and going, oh, I've never seen that before. So I want, so that's why I want to bring that because there's, Jesus is talking about what the kingdom looks like and he's using this parable of the mustard seed. So Matthew 13, just two verses, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now, if you don't know, that's a, noxious, that's a noxious weed in the ancient world. When man took and sowed in his field, okay, that's strange. Someone just sowed a noxious weed into their field. Like I'm trying to get rid of noxious weeds out of my yard. How about you? I paid a lot of money this year to get rid of some noxious weeds. Um, and, and this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. Now, a miracle just took place, right? I've never seen a plant become a tree. I don't think you have either. And, and I think it is a miracle because God's doing something special here. So that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a noxious weed that you can't stop. It's going to grow. It's going to just do its thing. It's going to go where it wants to go. You won't be able to stop it. It starts out as a small seed, the smallest of seeds, but becomes a plant. That's kind of expected. That's cool. That becomes a tree. That is unexpected. What is going on there? I want you to look at this next slide, though. So that, so that, two little words that jumped off the page for me while I was reading this in my, in my personal study time. I went and looked up that word in the Greek, and it, it represents a, a cause effect, cause effect. So on the front end, that's the cause, God's kingdom can't be stopped, it's going to move forward, and there's going to be miraculous things to take place. There's going to be plants to become, little plants to become great trees. That's miraculous. That's God doing his work. So that, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. That's the reason why the kingdom becomes this great tree. Now, the birds represent people that don't care about the kingdom. 
They don't, they're not looking for the kingdom, but they get benefit anyway. My friends, this is why we do ministry. This is why we do ministry beyond the four walls of the church. Do we need to do ministry within the church? Do we need to take care of each other? Do we support each other? Do we love on each other? Absolutely, and that that should be a hallmark of the church, always. But what's also true, Jesus says, is that those who don't care about the kingdom, whoever they may be, that is the reason. So that, Jesus says, That is the reason why we become this great. That's why there's miracles. So that. And so that's the that's the that's the why. That's the what are how do we know when we're doing ministry, how do we know we've actually gotten someplace? How do we know we're winning? We're winning, according to Jesus, when people out there that don't care about the kingdom receive benefit from the kingdom. That's how we'll know we're winning. All right? Now, how will I know where to plant my mustard seed? How will I know what kind of ministry I should be doing? What does that look like? That might be a question that we wrestle with. So we came up with this uh, cool diagram. It looks like the Chrysler symbol. Um, We just made the Chrysler symbol cool. Um, When it comes to ministry, oftentimes it starts with either our design or our passion or our experience or our giftings or or the fact that we just happen to be there. Uh, Look at this verse. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, they don't need to go away. He's talking about the 5,000 people. They don't need to go away to find food. You give them something to eat. Now, these, this is fishermen. I doubt that they have the gift of hospitality. They have the gift of telling stories about how big the fish is, but not hospitality. The only reason why they are doing ministry in this location is because they happen to be there. They were in the right place at the right time, or maybe the wrong place at the right time. I'm not sure which. They're, they're simply doing ministry because they're in the right location. But I want to talk you through some, some of my friends that I thought about that, that have done ministry, sometimes at the church, sometimes outside the church, but never something that the church itself was really created. It was really their creation or their their ministry. Let's go to the next slide. So my friend Amanda, she and her family were a part, uh, well, they, they were habitual users of our benevolence program as a church. And so they had a lot, Amanda had a lot of experience of, of coming to the church and saying, hey, our family needs help. Well, one of the tenets of that program that we had is that the more times you came to use it, the program, the more we'd ask that you would invest time and energy into the church. Like, get you, we'd want you to have more community, to have more people in your life that you would plug in deeper to the church. 
And eventually, she started volunteering on our benevolence team. And one day, because of her experience and her passion for people, she started leading that ministry. So this is the way one person started doing ministry. Let's take a look at the next person. My buddy Cass. Uh, There's two things that he gets really excited about. Paintball, shooting people with paintballs, and talking to men about Jesus. Does that sound like a ministry to you? Because that's what he did. He would get a bunch of guys together. They'd shoot each other up until they were purple and pink and yellow and orange and whatever color that people could come up with. And then they would talk about Jesus. And it was because of his gifting and his passion that, that he did ministry. So that's Cass. Let's go on to the next guy or gal. I don't remember. Christy. Christy had, has been to Israel a number of times. And she is really passionate about studying the cultural relevance of Jesus and just who he is and and understanding his Jewishness, understanding the rabbinical teaching style, understanding the culture of that time and what it was like to live in in, uh, Jerusalem during the first century. And so she she just studies this and soaks in all this information. And because of that, she is now like the resident expert up in Moscow, Idaho. And because of her design and her passion, she's doing ministry. Now, she teaches classes that the, that the church never asked her to teach, but she's teaching people about these things about Jesus, and she's doing an amazing job. Uh, she's basically a theologian, although she'd probably be mad if she heard me say that, but she could be mad at me. Let's look at the next person. Clay. Now, Clay has uh, a ton of experience as a businessman. He's, re- he's retired, and he works uh, in a ministry called Job Club. I think he designed it. But he would sit down with, with young people that were looking for jobs, and he would go over their resume with them. And, and I, I loved listening to Clay because Clay would just speak life into a person. He'd be like, I see you have you know, all these experiences, but you say that you're looking for a $12 an hour job. He says, you're not a $12 an hour person. You are a $20 an hour person. And just because of his design and his experience, he's able to speak life into people. They're looking for jobs and, and it became ministry. Let's look at the next person. Matt. Matt is, uh, is an entrepreneur. He does a lot of different things. The two main things that he does is he has a construction company and he has a pizza restaurant. Matt will hire uh, as a foundation three or four or five solid, solid Christian men and women. And then the rest of his crew are either convicts or addicts. Convicts or addicts. He'll tell you that it's not a very good way of making money, although God seems to provide plenty of opportunities for him to make money. 
But um, because of his design and his gifting, Matt is hiring people that no one else in town will hire. People will come to him all day long and say, hey, Matt, I, I'm getting my life back in order here. I need a job. And Matt like, is like, that's fantastic. Show up tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. for the Bible study. And at 6.30, I'll put you on a crew. And that's his interview process. You show up for the 6 a.m. Bible study, and he will, he will put you to work, and you'll have a paycheck. Are you qualified? He didn't ask that question. <laughs> Probably not. Will be someday. But Matt does ministry all day long, every day out of the week, and... Uh, it's not within the four walls of the church. Let's look at the next person. I think I got Jim in there twice. Nope, I don't. Jim. Uh, Jim is a man that is dedicated to a life of discipleship. Now, his part-time job, about 60 to 80 hours a week during the summertime, is he's a landscaper. So 60, 80 hours a week, he is landscaping, uh, what, March, April until September. And all day long, as, he's, as he and his crew are traveling throughout the city, he has these appointments set up with, for his main job, which is he meets with with guys to disciple them. And then when he's not doing that, the other half of the year, he goes down to Columbia, pays his own way. He's a missionary to churches, and he helps the churches down there understand what it looks like to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Jim will tell you that he does not want to waste one second. He wants to honor God with everything that he has by making disciples. He does it wherever he's at. So he gets the location <laughs> moniker. Uh, wherever he's at, he's going to make disciples. And if you happen to get in his way, he'll disciple you. I'll let you know if I see Jim coming. Because uh, he will flat out just make disciple out of you because you are there, he is there. I've got an hour, let's do this. That's the way Jim works. Uh, amazing guy. Um, let's talk about Jen. Jen uh, did announcements tonight. Um, and she is the director of CareNet. She's a single mom. Um, adopted mom, a foster mom, single foster mom, um, who has no experience with pregnancy for herself. Wait a minute. <laughs> Seems to kind of break the mold. Huh. That happens sometimes. We'll go on to the next slide. Uh, there's me. A number of years ago, uh, seven years ago, I was uh, in an internship. I, 
I spent 20 years in the Air National Guard. I, uh, at one point, was working when I was part-time guard. I, first six years, I was part-time guard. In the next 14 years, I was full-time guard. And uh, during my part-time guard, I was actually doing ministry and... Um, I think I would qualify, I would say that I failed miserably. That's that was that's my that's my own self-assessment. That my first ministry experience, I I failed, and so I retired from the guard. And I knew that God wanted me to go into ministry, but I was like, um, God, I don't know how to get from here to there. So uh, I avoided that. Helped my parents run their transmission shop for three years. And, uh, and then I realized that God was not going to let me run any further. I was going to have to own up to this calling. And it was just like this gnawing inside of me that was about 20 years old of, Rob, I've called you to the ministry. I know you feel like you messed up, but I'm still calling you to this. So seven years ago in 2014, I did an internship. I did a nine-month internship, and I interned under the campus pastor of the Coraline Real Life, and I get six months through the internship, and I sit down with Craig Miles, and I go, Craig, we're two-thirds of the way through this internship. What do I need to work on? And he goes, Rob, there's, a, there's only one thing. He goes, I don't know what's happened because this is new, and I've been trying to figure out how to have this conversation with you. But there's something wrong with the way you communicate with people. And, and not just from the stage, but even simple conversations, you're talking and we don't know what you're saying. I felt so broken in that moment. I don't know if you know this or not, but pastors kind of use communication a lot. We talk all the time, probably too much. Leave me alone, Scott. Uh, we talk all the time. I mean, if I was a writer, then it'd be like, Rob, all your stories come out Ugh. You know, if I was a mechanic, Rob, every car that you, you work on works worse after you touch it. Like, and I had left my parents' business. In fact, my parents, by this time, had sold their, the family business. It was a million-dollar operation. I, I grew that thing. I was going to own that thing. I was going to make six figures. It was going to be really good. I walked away from all of that. I did this internship. I get two-thirds of the way through it. And my buddy's going, Rob, I don't even know how to help you with this. But this is big time broken. And I'm going, God, you called me to something, and I'm not even designed for this. Have you ever felt like God was calling you to something and you're like, 
I don't have the right experience. I don't have the right design. I, people don't think I have the gifting. I'm not in the right location to even make this happen. Like whatever it is that you sense God calling you to, the rest of the world is saying, no way. Have you ever experienced that? Because that is where I was at. And there would be no quick fix on this. There'd be no quick fix. But there was a verse that God took me to. And like the mustard seed parable that I've been praying through for the last year, I prayed through this set of verses for the next several years. In fact, even up until I started as a pastor here. So let's go to Exodus 4. Now, this is the burning bush moment. It starts out in chapter 3. Um, I, I got to imagine that as Moses walked the desert for 40 years, he had a sense what God was calling him to because he had so many excuses prepared for this moment. Like Moses had these excuses rehearsed. They come off so fast. Moses, I think, in fact, we're told, I think it's in Hebrews, that, that Moses knew early on that he was supposed to redeem Israel. And he didn't know how to do it. And he was trying to do it without the power of God. He was trying to do it within his own strength. And we'll talk about this more in footnotes, if someone remembers, Jen. Um, but... Moses says this, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And this is why I came to this verse, I knew two things. I knew without a doubt that God was calling me into the ministry. Didn't know why. I didn't know it would be this. Honestly, I did not know I'd be a preaching pastor. But I knew that God was calling me to this role. And I knew that he created me. And he doesn't make mistakes. Now, have I felt like a mistake? Most of my life. And I'm not joking. That's not a flippant statement. In high school, I'd walk up to the mirror and half the time I'd look at myself in the mirror, I was disgusted with what I saw. It's not God's fault. Those aren't God's words. That's not his voice. That's the world's voice. That was my experiences. That was my lifestyle. That was my family. We were a hot mess. It still hurt. Who has made man's mouth, says the Lord? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Yep. 100% believe that. 100% believe that. And it's the next line that's important. Pay attention here. Now then, go. And I 
even I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. My friends, our experiences, our friends, our family, culture, I don't know where the voices are coming from, but honestly, they will tell us that we don't belong, that that's not our ministry, that that's not our calling, that, that, that we can't make a difference, that God can't use us that way. And God says, if you'll step out, if you'll just go, he says he will be with you in that time, in that season. And that is the reason why I'm here. I'm here to experience my God and his faithfulness and his goodness and let the rest of the world experience it too. Because that's what we're supposed to be about. That's what the church is for. That's what the relationship with Jesus Christ does for us. See, once we experience that, once we experience that goodness, that greatness of God in our lives, we're to become this tree of strength that provides shade to the rest of the world. That's what we're called to as a church. That's what I want us to live out. And it is good. It is good. It wasn't quick. I, I, a lot of years of getting on stage or, or even in small conversations and just stumbling and, and feeling just so self-conscious about me and can God use me? And I don't know how many times I asked my wife that question. She's probably lost track because I felt so broken. I felt like my design was being called into question that my design wasn't good enough that maybe God made one mistake and that was me. How about you? What is that seed that God has placed inside of you that you've been afraid to let it grow? To become something significant? To provide shade to people that aren't expecting it, that will, I believe, come to Christ because we're just faithful to the mission. Implication is this. God's call for you to serve will often lead you to depend on him in greater ways. Maybe it's completely within your design to, to do whatever that ministry is. Maybe it's completely within your design, but God will still lead you in some way, shape, or form, and, and you will need to depend on him more, and it'll be good. It'll be a blessing. You'll get to experience intimacy with him. Maybe he'll be with your lips. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that kind of connection of knowing God like that. I can. And I want others to know it too. And I want you to know it. We're passing out the elements of communion. And for us, we take this together each week. If you are here to celebrate 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, please know that you could join us in this. We're going to take the elements together here. We have uh, just one more uh, thing to talk about quickly, and then um, we'll spend some time reflecting on Jesus Christ. But what is your so that? What is that seed that God has placed inside of you and you're trying to kill it, but it can't be stopped and it's driving you nuts because it's a holy call? What is that? Will you give it voice? Will you trust that God can work through you? Will you lean into that feeling of awkwardness? Will you remind him of his scriptures? Will you remind him of what he has said to you? Because that is one of the most common things we see in the scriptures when it comes to prayers, where, where faithful men and women would remind God of his own words. Over and over and over, I said to the Lord, Lord, you have made my mouth. And you called me to this, we be with my lips. I want to experience you like that. What is your so that? What are you passionate about that, that you want to see bless other people? How are you designed where you want to see God's kingdom move forward? What is that experience that has shaped your life so much so that you got to talk about it? You, you want other people to experience that too. What is your gifting how has God uniquely worked in your life to work now? You just want, you're trying to figure out how to live that out. We want to work together to bring this about. Or maybe you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And again, I don't care about the number. It could, it could bless one person, 10, 100, 1,000. It really doesn't matter. Because that one person is significant to God, just as significant as the thousand. So don't let the number get in the way. Because maybe it's a small seed today. But my friends, until we take this action step of taking a step of faith, it's just theory. I actually had to get on stage and I had to start speaking. Jen, leading a crisis pregnancy center. Never even been in a position where she would have a crisis pregnancy herself. But stepping in, even though her experience says, you can't lead this ministry. But God says something different. God said something different. What is that thing that God has been gnawing on you about and you've been saying, not yet, not today? Because when I think about Christ at the cross and what he was willing to do, he said, not my will, but thy will, Lord. And it's because of what he did on the cross that we can have this moment today to even talk about this. We could talk about the the amazing grace of God, the fact that he shows up in our brokenness, whether it's the brokenness of our experience 
brokenness of our design, brokenness of our poor choices. And I think about Christ and his faithfulness, even the night in which he's betrayed, and he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is for you. Let's remember his faithfulness as we consider our own faithfulness. And again, the faith of Christ, knowing that he's going to go to the cross, knowing that we would need to remember that faithfulness. He says, this cup is new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember. Father, I love you. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. And Lord, you amaze me. <laughs> what you offer is yourself. Not just on the cross, but in person. A, a relationship of connection, of, of you leading us, of you changing us, of you teaching us new things, of, uh, of you just being with us in those hard moments. the opportunity to experience you. That's, that's the greatest gift, Lord. I'm so grateful. Lord, I, I sense that there's some struggle tonight, some hearts, people that need to take a step of faith that they haven't. I pray that you would be their courage, that you'd be their hope, that they would sense you drawing them, not from far off, but in close proximity, knowing that you are their God. And I pray that this community be forever changed because of people that choose to plant that seed and let it grow. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.